Watch, watch, first watch. Watch. Don't tell Hashem. Say Hashem's name. Baruchatay. Next time you should know when you make a bracha on, on bread, you're supposed to put all your fingers on the bread because there's ten words in the bracha of Amitzi, and the ten mitzvahs are done with the, done with the bread, and therefore you're supposed to put your fingers on the bread. Also, according to Kabbalah, other reasons. Anyways, so Yankel and Rivka go to this Hanukkah Sabayis. They're celebrating someone has bought this beautiful home in Beverly Hills, twenty million dollar home. And they go to this beautiful home to celebrate this, this person who has just bought this home. Uh, maybe it was Jeff Bezos who bought uh, Geffen's home for $160 million, whatever, somebody. And they go back to the car, and the wife is raving about this amazing home. It's so beautiful in Beverly Hills. It's a dream of every person. And the husband can't take it. He's like, you know, they, 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 it looks good now, but you know what kind of money they're going to have to pay for this home? You'll, you'll see after a month or two, we'll see if they'll be able to hold on to the home. And the wife says, no, they, they have plenty of money. Oh, yeah, of course, the father says they have plenty of money because they have plenty of money because they inherited it from their parents. They got it all. Actually, the wife says they worked with their ten fingers and they worked and they made it. And that's how, uh, that's how they... they, they uh, so the husband says, well, who says they even get along? You know, the husband and wife. Who says they even get along? They have this beautiful house. Who says they even get along? They have so much money, but you know, they don't have, they don't, they don't, they don't, their life isn't happy. And the wife says, I know people don't have money, and they're also not happy. At this point, the conversation uh, loses control, and uh, things get, get ugly. So, um, they go by a fancy home. <laughs> so uh, most of the time, people are always comparing themselves to other people. Why am I not like this person? Why am I like that person? This person has this, this person has that. I wish I was like this person. And the reason we have these feelings of jealousy for other people is because you see someone has something, you feel like this emptiness, like, oh, I should have that. It makes you feel, like, worthless. And you feel like, oh, I have to... And that makes you feel jealous of the other person. You feel they have something you don't have. And you feel jealous. It creates, like, a sort of uh, emptiness in yourself. And you feel down upon your, in yourself. And therefore you want what the other person has, like the expression, um, your beauty makes me ugly. Because you're beautiful, I feel ugly. Uh, the Gemara says a story about, uh, about, uh, the Gemara says a story? The Gemara says that there's one, uh, the Gemara says that the um, king Ptolemy asked the uh, sages, what's the heaviest thing in the world? He said, the heaviest thing in the world is the human eye. Whatever a human eye wants, whatever a human eye sees, it wants. And the Gemara says a story uh, that they weighed an eye on a scale. Whenever they put another side of the scale, the eye outweighed it, which of course means that that the person is and always. Alexander Mukton. I'm sorry, it wasn't. He, to get it from a place. he got it from uh, It wasn't always. Uh, Alexander Mukton, thank you very much. Dark mountains or something. But the question is how do we fill that emptiness that we get when we see someone else has something you don't have? How, how, how do you feel um, that you have self worth? When you see someone else has more than you and you don't have it, the um, right. How do you get there? Uh, there was a Jew, Langezund. Uh, he's one of the people that was always uh, um, shikker. One of the seven seventies blessed to have a few people around seven seventy. They're always drunk. One of them's name. I don't know his name. Anyways, he told he told a friend of mine and one shvus. He says, everyone's coming out of 770, out of Anshuas, and everyone's dressed in their finery, uh, Yontif. 
and everyone's so happy. And this guy is a poor guy. He's, a, he's, he's, a, he's, he's living in the streets. He's always drunk. And he tells my friend, uh, his Rafi, what does the Mishnah mean when it says, who, who is rich? So he says, someone who's rich is, someone who's happy with what they have. He says, no, no, no. That's not what it means. Who is rich? Someone's happy with someone else has. That's, that's real wealth. But the question is, how do you get there? How do you get there? The Berbeinu Bachaye says of all Ten Commandments, the commandment not to be jealous is the last because it's the hardest. It's the hardest one. It says, he says this commandment is equal to all, all, all the other commandments combined. So before we figure that out, let us look at the Ten Commandments in general. The Sephorno says a very interesting thing. It says if you divide the Ten Commandments in two, so you have the first half is between man and God, and the second half is between, between man and man. And he says the first commandment is the commandment of thought. Believing in Hashem. Then there's commandments not to take God's name in vain. Commandment in speech. Then there's a mitzvah of Kabbalah Savicha, commandment of action. And also the second half, between man and man, it ends with thought. Don't be jealous. Then, it, then before that, there is the commandments of uh, speech. Sorry. Commandments of, uh, yeah. Commandments of, what does it say? Don't, don't bear false witness of speech. And before that, there is the action, don't kill, don't steal. So, but all of these, um, all of these commandments, we can see how we could do them. But this commandment, don't be jealous, what, is it, what does it mean? How are we supposed to control our thoughts? The, the Sefer HaChinuch says, how can the Torah tell us to do something which is instinctive? It's something which you just react, you see something, you want it. So you may want to answer, the mitzvah isn't not to want, the mitzvah is not to do things to get what someone else has. Maybe the mitzvah doesn't mean you shouldn't want, it means you shouldn't make an effort and make it to take action. But if you'll, if you'll notice, in the second set of the Ten Commandments, in, in, in the Deuteronomy, when Moshe Rabbeinu repeats again the set of the Ten Commandments, he, instead of the word he says, don't desire. You could say it means don't take action. But means don't desire at all. So how is the Torah telling us Leitasav? It's interesting, but in general, how is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu gave us different versions of the Ten Commandments? Hashem told us one version, and Moshe Rabbeinu makes ten changes to the Ten Commandments when he tells it to us. So the beautiful explanation of the Kliyakar, which is very in sync to what we're learning, Kliyakar says that the original Ten Commandments were actually meant to be universal. We know that God asked every nation if they wanted the Ten Commandments, right? He wanted the Torah. And each nation said, why well, they don't want the Torah? Every nation says, hey, don't kill, uh, that's not good for us, don't yeah, steal. Yeah, the famous thing, it's yeah. not only Yotavar, it's also Gemara. So, <laughs> so, uh, so um, after Hashem asked all nations if they wanted the Torah, He gave it to us, but the original Ten Commandments, Kliyakar said, they are, have a universal message. And that's why the, the, uh, the mitzvahs, the, ten, the first Ten Commandments are written in a way that apply to everybody. For example, it says in the first set of Ten Commandments, you remember the Shabbos. Everyone should remember the Shabbos. Even non-Jews should also be conscious of the fact that Hashem created the world in six days and rested in the seventh. They should also believe in Hashem and think about Hashem. The, the, the first set of Ten Commandments is written in a way that's very like, it's, 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 it doesn't, doesn't um, put so much weight on your lifestyle. The second set of Ten Commandments is Shammur. Shammur means all the no's. All things you can't do on Shabbos. Don't light a cigarette. Don't, uh, don't cook, don't, uh, don't put on electricity. That's all the second set. That's a commandment for the Jewish people. Hashem saw that the world not not able to handle any of the Ten Commandments. Hashem gave us 
something he raised the bar for us and gave us the uh, the Moshe Rabbeinu the, the um, Another deeper message explaining the Ten Commandments in a way that's relevant to the Jewish people and, and something that only we could achieve. That's why in the first set of Ten Commandments it says, honor your parents, you should have a long life. In the second set of Ten Commandments it says, honor your parents to have a long life, and Talmud says it's referring to the world to come. Why, is there, why only in the second set does it refer to the world to come? Because it's addressing the Jewish people who are mindful and think about the world to come. But in, this first, in the universal Ten Commandments it talks about Think about how it will benefit you right now. Don't just think about the future. Something which is, which is more palatable to a wider audience. And that's why in the first Ten Commandments it says, don't be doisachmei. Doisachmei means don't do something active to get some, what someone else has. But leitisavet, you shouldn't want it, you want what you want. But then Hashem comes in the second set of Ten Commandments, Hashem tells us, no, you're Jewish, and you shouldn't even want what another person has. The question is, how can you affect yourself not to want? You, you want what you want. You want French fries? You see French fries. You, 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 uh, many people are on seafood diets, like myself. You know what seafood diet is? You see food, you eat it. Seafood diet. <laughs> anyway, so the uh, so question is, how do, how do you handle this, um, th- this commandment? Don't desire the Ramam says. Don't even want it. So there are those who explain this with the following uh, way. In the fir- in the Shem says, don't desire all that belongs to your friend. Why does Hashem say all that belongs to your friend? Because if you would know the entire picture, you wouldn't want to trade places. You may think this person's doing really well and they have all these kinds of things, but if you would know the whole thing, then you wouldn't want to change places. Everybody has a pekula. Everyone has a pekula, right? Everyone has, has, has something they're carrying. It may look very wonderful and rosy in other person's shoes, but it ain't. So Torah is telling us, yeah, it, it looks good, but if you look at kol ha whatever the person has, then all of a sudden you want to, you won't want to switch the person's house and the wife and whatever, whatever whatever it is you don't get the whole picture, but that that explanation is something which is just negative. It's not something which it's it just like okay you you, you shouldn't uh, it's it's a poor man's uh, explanation. It's not it's not replacing the void in your heart when you feel pain of jealousy. It's just saying. It's just putting a bandage on it. It's not really giving us any self-value and self-worth. It's just saying, well, you don't really know what's going on. Okay, but that doesn't, doesn't really satisfy us because the Torah is giving us an instruction that, that self tells us we don't have a reason to be jealous. We don't, not just, we, not just it's, it's something which, which we wouldn't want to do, but there's no reason to be that way. Even if we could get it. Like Rachel was jealous, it says in the Torah, of her sister. Why was she jealous of her sister? Her sister had children. She didn't have children. So Teretzah says, She was jealous of her sister. She didn't say, Well, my sister has to change so many diapers. I'm lucky enough to change diapers. She didn't say that. She was, she was jealous. And the truth is, it was positive that she was jealous. So Rashi says, She was jealous because she said, Why did my sister merit to have so many children? If it wasn't for her good deeds, she wouldn't have merited all these children. So she was jealous of the behavior of her sister. So that's a positive thing. As the Gemara says, The jealousy of, of scribes increases wisdom. If you, if you realize how someone else knows so much more Torah than you do, then you want to learn more. Because you realize there's so much more to learn. You see someone else knows so much more than you. So that's a positive jealousy. It's, and, and, and the Torah instructs us to have that. When... When when the um, when your competition dies, they say, then you then you, then you're at, then you're going to go bankrupt. What keeps people going in business? They feel that there's competition. They, they want to uh, 
a, a friend of mine was asked to give a lecture in front of this very, very wealthy family in Israel. One of the what they want to hear about, they wanted to know how do we contend with jealousy? Why? Because there are two families in Israel which are more, more wealthy than they are. <laughs> so so they, they, they felt that, that so everyone has this, this challenge and everyone has this natural reaction. You see what you want. The question is, how do you deal with it? There is a positive one. We see, you know the famous thing we say in Davening every day, God is in the heavens above and the earth below. Now Yom Yom tells us, in regards to heavenly matters, look above. Look at the spiritual things. Look who's better than you, who has more obvious soul than you, who has more, knows more Torah than you, who davens better than you, who gives more stock on you. Be jealous of them, but you want to do that. In regards to earthly matters, who has a, who, in regards to you, you have a, a Chevy, and another person has a Toyota, so look at people who don't have a Chevy, look at people who don't have a car at all. Look at, look, look at people who have less than you. In regards to heavenly matters, look at people who have more than you. In regards to earthly matters, look at people who have, people who have less than you. That's what Torah says. So, but it doesn't, again, it's, 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 the question is um, how to fill that void. So I want to share with you an amazing letter of the Rebbe. Um, someone sent to me this week. Uh, I didn't send to you. Meritika letter. This Israeli soldier writes to the Rebbe the following. He writes to the Rebbe that he is depressed, and he knows how he got <coughs> depressed. He got depressed because he wanted to accomplish A, B, and C in his life, and it wasn't successful. And he's out of depression right now, he said. He writes to the Rebbe, but he's afraid he's going to go back into the depression. Mm-hmm. So what should he do to contend with these depressive thoughts, depressing thoughts, knowing that he's not really making it in life like he wanted to? What should he do about that? Rebbe answers something incredible. Rebbe says, first of all, I'm going to assume, Rebbe writes to him, that as a Jew, the Torah says, you can assume that someone who is is an emissary does his mission. So since you're, you're an emissary of God in this world, I'm going to assume that you live your life in sync with Torah. And if you live your life in sync with Torah, you certainly start off your day with saying brachas. What do you say in your brachas? Brachas say thanks, baruch atah, baruch atah, baruch atah. What does baruch atah mean? Expressing thanks. Before that, you say meida'ani. Meida'ani, you say the words, I thank you God for turning my soul to me. That means that having a life is something that's worth it's worthy of gratitude. Being alive is worthy of gratitude. Being alive is something that should generate feelings of thankfulness. It's only that it says that Hashem gave a person free will, whether they're going to live their life in a way that's appropriate before Hashem, a life which is full of goodness and holiness, and then, <coughs> and, 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 or, that's their choice. Whether or not they're going to live their life in sync with Hashem's desire, and the life which is worth living. Then there says the following, Ever addresses something which everyone thinks of, but no one really says it because if you say it, it's not popular. Someone's gonna ah, don't say that. But ever addresses it directly. The guy, people. What happens? You wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you see there's a shalmazel there. You know what shalmazel is? Shalmazel. Someone who is not successful. You look in the mirror. He's not successful person. Shlomil's cousin. Shlomil's cousin. You know who Shamil is, right? The Shamil is the guy who spills the soup on the Shamazel, and the Nundik is the one who says, What kind of soup was it? So, so you wake up in the morning, you see you're not a successful person. So, Rebbe says, Rebbe says that there's no such thing as people which aren't successful. No such thing. It's Hashem, if Hashem gives us free will, He certainly gives us the opportunity and the possibility to get our mission done. If Hashem gives us free will, it means He also doesn't, doesn't just give us the free will, He also gives us the opportunity and the possibility. And, and it says, I'm not talking to you in a theoretical way. 
just a, a Torah theoretical way. It says this is the way it is practically every single day for every one of us. This is the way it is. There's no such thing as successful people. All there is, as Rebbe says, is there are people who use out the opportunities that God gave them and people which are lazy not to use out the opportunities that God gave them. There's no such thing as people which are successful. They have blue or blood or what, what do they have? All there are, the Rebbe says, is people who are lazy and people which decide to use out the opportunities that God gave them. And then the Rebbe says, um, so, so, so people use out the, what God gave them with, with the ayin yafa, with a good measure. I mean, like, they don't just use it out like, like to be yitzah, to, to get it over with. But they, they feel Hashem gave them gifts and they, and they, and they want to really fully use the gifts and gifts that, that Hashem gave them. Um, and then they conclude the letter and he says that certainly when a person adds in mitzvahs, it adds God's blessings, and they should add in mitzvahs, and he should have satisfaction. That's, that, that's, that, that's the letter. So content letter, in other words, is that the, the, there's no such thing as someone who's not successful. Hashem is throwing you a ball, and there's no question you could swing on that ball. Oh, and I, I forget about one important point. That it says, we, the fact you weren't successful till now is no indication of the future. It's possible to do something many times you're not successful, and the hundredth time you are successful, or the hundred and first time you're successful. I don't know why they ever chose the example of hundred and hundred and first, but it reminds me of the Gemara. The Gemara says, and it's brought in Tanya, if someone tries something, someone reviews their lesson a hundred times, the time of the Gemara, it was customary to review your lesson a hundred times. You learned something of the Gemara, you, custom was to review it a hundred times. But someone who only reviewed it a hundred times was considered someone who was not such a great servant of Hashem. Did it a hundred and one times, oh! Then you're a servant of Hashem. So, so it could be that the Rebbe is refer, referring to that Gemara because the person who tries 100 first time means someone who tries and gives it their all. Doesn't just try it again, but tries really beyond, goes beyond their nature. Anyway, so the point is that each of us has a different role to play. And Hashem made each of us look differently because no one has the same role. When Korach said, I want to be a Kayan, I want to be like, I want to be like Aaron. What did Meshach Menu say? Wait till the morning. Why wait till the morning? Because Meshach was telling Korach, God made day and God made night. But you, night can't switch the day and day can't switch the night. Everyone has their role. Creation begins with a bunch of stories of jealousy. Adam and Eve. Why did the snake want Adam to die? Because he wanted to marry Eve. Why did Eve want Adam to eat the fruit? Because he didn't want, she didn't want Adam to marry somebody else. Why did, this, why did the moon not want the sun to also... Because the moon was jealous of the sun. Why did Cain kill Hevel? All the, these things are very natural and very part of the human condition. The Torah is telling us, first of all, that there is a positive jealousy when it leads to something, when it, when it motivates you to become a better person. And there's a negative one. There's two enemies of, 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 of mice. There's cats and there's the farmer's wife. Cats and the farmer's wife both want to kill mice. What's the difference? Cats would rather that there be many, many mice. Why? Because they eat more and more mice. But the farmer's wife wants there should be no more mice at all, right? So, so it's possible that you're that you you, you know you, if you feel hatred to somebody, then you know that there's not uh, that's not healthy jealousy. You, you know, one important thing which I need to mention is that Hashem gave us the power to control our thoughts. You, you, you don't always have to. Some, there's some thoughts which are which are toxic. It, it, some people aren't able to uh, once they go down a certain road and they start thinking, it, it makes them feel depressed all day and, and they feel these feelings of negative energy and. We have a power to control our thoughts. Just like on your phone, someone sends you a message, you have a choice to plus ignore. You can say, I'm going this message, that message. We have a choice what we fill our minds with. Semach Sedek said that you have to think happy thoughts, say happy things, and do happy things to be Besimcha. So, bottom line is like this. First of all, there is a positive way to be jealous. And that's to be jealous of people which are better than you spiritually. 
Second of all, you have to realize that God gave you a bat and he's throwing you a ball and you could swing on it and you could hit it and you have only, all, all you have to do. And it doesn't matter what happened in the past. All you have to do is swing on what Hashem gave you. Just coming from Chamesh Shasavishvat. We celebrate mm-hmm. the new year for trees by eating fruit. Why do we celebrate by eating fruit? You're just planting the seeds. The Torah is telling us, you have to look at your day when you wake up in the morning. Hashem gave you a new day. It's not just a day of planting seeds. It's a day when you're going to be successful. You're going to see the fruit of your labor. That's how you're supposed to start off your day. You're supposed to start off your day. You just, it's just new year for trees. It's time to plant seeds. But we don't celebrate planting seeds. We celebrate <coughs> eating fruit. Why? The Jew has to feel Hashem gave him a day. He's going to make something happen. Hashem's throwing you a ball. You could do it. And most importantly is if uh, you feel that this, these kinds of uh, thoughts are uh, toxic, it's hard thinking, you don't have to think about whatever, you, can, you have full control of whatever you want to think about. <coughs> I'll share with you, if they ever told Rabbi Tzvi what should he do when he has these thoughts he shouldn't think about? They ever told him, think about a football game. At first it says, think about a, a Pasuk and Chumash, a Halacha, politics in Vietnam, a football <laughs> game, whatever it is, just, you, you, we have control of our thoughts. We can, we, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. But really, the truth is, we, have, we don't have to look at anybody else. You have a value that no one else has. You have a gift. Someone once called me today, and he said he needed a bracha for something. He wants a skula. So I said to him, what's the biggest skula? And then tomorrow's chumash. God tells each of us, you are my treasure. Ebishah tells each person, you are my only child. As Baal Shem says, every Jew to Hashem, like an only child born to parents in their own age. That's our school. We don't have to have any tricks. We are God's treasure. So we have to think about that and realize that and realize we're living in the time of Mashiach and Hashem is giving each of us opportunity to end the whole thing. To do one more positive. You could do it. Ezra, if I'm me, we could do it. You could do it. Hashem is throwing you a ball, me a ball. I think we have the power to make it happen. Thank you.